God, we just thank you, Father, this morning. We thank you for the Shabbat. God, we just want there's so many anxieties. There's anxieties for those of us that drove here through traffic. Or there's anxieties for the things that are happening in the world. And God, we just want to lay everything at your feet right now. You said, Lord, to cast your cares upon me because I care for you. Of you, Yeshua. We praise you and we bless your name that you are in control, that you are our God, that you are king, that you are on the throne, and that you reign forever and ever. And Lord, we're going to sing your word. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. We bless your holy name right now as a body. Lord, that we may be separate in our different homes, but we come together right now in the name of Yeshua. And we come here to praise you. And we come to bless your name and to exalt your name and to lift up your name on high because you are worthy to be praised. In Yeshua's name, amen. down at your feet. Lord, I was glad when they said to me, come, let us go up to the house of the Lord. Lord, we want to be in your presence. So God, we want to lay everything else down. We ask, Lord, for your spirit, your spirit to be in our midst, Father, today as a body. As we exalt Yeshua. Oh, Halakha, Yah. 
Yeshua is the Messiah. He is Lord of all. And you shall love Adonai your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your resources. Let these matters that I command you today be upon your heart. Teach them diligently to your children, and speak of them while you sit in your home, while you walk on the way, when you retire, and when you arise. Bind them as a sign upon your arm, and let them be symbols between your eyes, and write them on the doorposts of your house and upon your gates. I am Adonai, your God, who has removed you from the land of Egypt to be a God to you. I am Adonai, your God. It is true. Adonai lohechem emet. Tamod hagba rechebat elisheva. Yamod galila Yosef ben Yaakov. Join me in the Tefillah Yeshua. 
Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher natan lanu et derech ha-Yeshua b'Moshiach Yeshua. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has given us the way of salvation in Messiah Yeshua. Banach nu reinu et kavodo, kavod bin yachid melefnei aviv, melech esed ve'emet. We ourselves have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son from before his Father, full of loving kindness and truth. He walked among us in the land of our forefathers, the one the Torah and the prophets spoke of, as it is written. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Upon those dwelling in the land of the shadow of death, a light has shone. He healed the sick and raised the dead. The multitudes of our people sought his touch. He taught as no man taught. With authority he brought forth treasures of the Torah. How the children sought him, the lepers he touched and made clean. How the despised and outcast found love and release from their sin. How the hypocrites feared him, whose words laid bare their hearts. Despised and rejected, acquainted with grief, he bore the sins of Israel. All we like sheep have gone astray, turned everyone to his own way. Our iniquities were laid upon the king, the sins of the world, his burden to bear. He rose from the dead and opened the way to life everlasting. Praise his name. We are in him. His spirit empowers. New life is ours with joy and peace. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu, asher natan lanu et Moshiach Yeshua Mokenu. Blessed are you, Lord our God, who has given us Messiah Yeshua, our King. En kamocha v'yelohim Adonai v'yen kemahasecha. Malchut echa, malchut, kol olamim hu memshelt echa, bechodor vador, Adonai melech, Adonai malach, Adonai imloch, leholaham vahed, Adonai holes, leamoho yiten, Adonai varech, et amova shalom. Of Harachamim Hitiva Vertsonecha Etzion Tivne Hamot Yerushalayim Tivne Hamot Yerushalayim Kiveha Levad Batahnu Melech el Rambanisa Adon Olamim. When the ark would travel, Moshe would say, Arise, Adonai, and let your enemies be scattered. Let all those who hate you flee from you. For from Zion the Torah will come forth, and the word of Adonai from Jerusalem. Blessed is he who gave the Torah to his people Israel in his holiness. Vayahib and Soa Haaron, Vayomer Moshe, Kumadonai, Vayafutsu Hoyevecha, Vayanusu Misanecha, Mipanecha, Ki Mitzion, Tetzeh Tohora, Ki Mitzion, Tetzeh Tohora, Udevar Hadonai, Mirushalahim Baruch Shenatan Torah Torah Baruch Shenatan Torah Torah Le Amo Israel Biktushato 
Lecha Adonai Hagadula, Lehagavura, Behati Feret, Vahanehet Sachvahod, Kiho Vashamayi Muvaharets, Kiho Vashamayi Muvaharets, Lecha Adonai, Hamaham Lacha, Behaminot Selecho, Lerosh, Romemu, Romemu. Adonai Eloheinu v'yishtachavu, v'yishtachavu, l'adom raglav kadosh hu Romemu, Romemu. Adonai Eloheinu v'yishtachavu, v'yishtachavu, l'harkotsho ki kadosh Adonai Eloheinu. You may be seated. Baruch and I humble Amen. Uvier ale ha hakoein, etzim ba boker ba boker, vaarak aleha haula, vehiktir aleha helve ha shalamim, eish tamid, tukad ahamiz beach lo tikbe. Adonai said to Moshe, Give this order to Aaron and his sons. This is the law for the burnt offering. It is what goes up on its firewood upon the altar all night until morning. In this way, the fire of the altar will be kept burning. When the fire has consumed the burnt offering on the altar, the Kohen, having put on his linen linen garment and covered himself with his linen shorts, is to remove the ashes and put them beside the altar. Then he is to remove those garments and put on others before carrying the ashes outside the camp to clean a place. In this way, the fire on the altar will be kept burning and not be allowed to go out. Each morning, the Kohen is to kindle wood on it 
Arrange the burnt offering and make the flat fat of the peace offerings go up in smoke. Fire is to be kept burning on the altar continually. It is not to go out. This is the law for the grain offering. The sons of Aharon are to offer it before Adonai in front of the altar. He is to take from the grain offering a handful of its fine flour, some of its olive oil, and all of the frankincense which is on the grain offering. And he is to make this reminder portion of it go of it go up in smoke on the altar as a fragrant aroma for Adonai. The rest of it Aharon and his sons are to eat. It is to be eaten without leaven in a holy place. They are to eat it in the courtyard of the tent of meeting. It is not to be baked with leaven. I have given it as their portion of my offerings made by fire. Like the sin offering and the guilt offering, it is especially holy. Every male descendant of Aharon may eat from it. It is his share of the offerings for Adonai, made by fire forever through all your generations. Whatever touches those offerings will become holy. Asher natan lanu toratimit, vehaye olam luchata Adonai, notain ha Torah. Well done. Thank you. Rachel, it's your, it's your bat mitzvah. It's your first time reading the Torah, and you did a fantastic job. He blessed our forefathers, Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. May he bless Rachel bat Elisheva, because she has come up to the Torah in honor of the omnipresent, in honor of the Torah, in honor of the Shabbat, and in honor of Yeshua. As a reward for this, may the Holy One, blessed is he, protect her and rescue her from every trouble and distress, from every plague and illness. And may he send blessing and success in her every endeavor, together with all Israel, her brethren. Now let us respond. Amen. I'm going to start out with the Bible passage, Matthew 1, 4, 1 through 11. Then Yeshua was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Yeshua answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. This is how Yeshua deals with temptation. He uses scripture to rebuke Satan, but then Satan proceeds to use scripture in the wrong way to try and convince Yeshua to follow him. Notice how Satan knows the Bible, the whole thing. If Satan knows the whole Bible, then we should keep it in our hearts so we can use it. Also, Satan uses the verses in the wrong way. For example, he recited, And he shall command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, 
so that you shall not strike your foot against a stone. Satan was basically saying, since you rely on God and his word so much, jump and let him save you. Even though all of God's word is true, that was not the correct time and place to use it or what God intended it to mean. We should try our best not to use a verse the wrong way. If you don't know what a verse means, there are two main options. One is ask a mentor, or two, ask God to show you what it means. Keep that in mind as we move to the main passage. Ephesians six thirteen through 18 Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the saints, for all the saints. In this passage, the sword of the Spirit is said to be the word of God. How so? That leads us to two more questions. How do we get this sword, and how can we use this sword? First of all, what is Ephesians 6 even talking about? Well, it's talking about the armor of God. Not physical armor, but spiritual armor. It says the word of God is a sword. What does a sword do? You use it to fight your enemy, and you're probably trying to kill them. Let's put the word of God in the picture. If the word of God is your sword, then who is your enemy? Our biggest enemy is Satan, who is constantly trying to deceive us. Now it clicks. We can use the word of God to defeat Satan, just like Yeshua did when Satan tempted him. You can't use a sword if you don't have it, though, right? How do we access a sword? The answer is simple, by keeping the word of God in your heart. In other words, by memorizing his word so that you might be able to use it in certain situations. How can, I, how can we use a sword? If you are afraid, you can recite Psalm 56.3. When I am afraid, I can trust in you. That verse reminds us not to be afraid, but trust God will take care of you. If you're nervous or anxious, you can recite Psalm 55:22. Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. You can use a Bible to tell right from wrong. The word of God has answers to our questions, and God speaks to us through it. He tells us how to follow him, love our neighbor, and hate sin, and much more. When we are strong in the word of God, no weapon formed against us can prosper. Now, Satan, Yeshua already defeated Satan, but Satan can still deceive us and get us a free ticket to hell. Satan tempts us all the time. It's not always easy to realize we are choosing good or evil, but every decision we make is important. Good decisions are hard to make because of peer pressure and our sin nature. How can we use God's word to remind us of what to do? Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path, which means his word will guide us. As we were saying before, his word is a sword to rebuke evil so we can use Bible verses to defend our biblical viewpoint on a decision. If a friend thinks it's a good idea to put something in their pocket and write what, walk right out of the store, then you better use the word of God to change their mind. And if you can't stop them, then you better not participate in that great idea of theirs. The word of God is our sword, will guide us, and will help us defeat evil.
And also, I would like to thank all the people who allowed me to do this bat mitzvah despite the coronavirus. Rachel, we, we are just so blessed. Uh, you've been a blessing ever since you were born. Sorry, my teleprompter is in the uh, shop, but they printed out a, a sheet so I can uh, not go off script so much. Um, I just want to say uh, you know, that Elisa and I met at uh, the Olive Tree, a Torah cycle uh, group that... Uh, study group, uh, Messianic Synagogue, um, many years ago. Um, the uh, IRS vacated uh, the date, so we s- snapped it up and, and were married on April 15th of 07. Uh, a year later, on uh, the eve of our one-year anniversary, Rachel was born. What what a blessing she's always been. Um, she uh, was much more than than I had hoped or prayed for. Uh, she's always been a blessing for us. Um, but that's our God, um, and uh, she is smart and pretty and talented and intelligent and spiritual. What more can you ask? Uh, we, we've we had um, multitudes of great experiences as uh, she uh, grew up. And people need to watch out because they grow up so fast. Um, anyway, we, we are so very proud of uh, Rachel and her many accomplishments, uh, especially this, her bat mitzvah. Uh, she has worked very diligently and hard for um, preparing. Um, it's been a great blessing to, uh, she has been a great blessing to her mother and myself from uh, day one. And uh, we expect uh, Adonai is going to use her greatly in the days and years to come uh, for the kingdom and his name's sake. And, uh, well, she and her mother are two peas in a pod, and and they are diligent in uh, working. And and when the revival comes, they will roll up their sleeves and, and work hard. Thank you. Our sweet Rachel, our little you, you are a child of blessing and of joy. We have waited with hopeful expectation for this day, though it looks different than we pictured. (laughs) But isn't that the way God works? Our thoughts are not his thoughts, and our ways are not his ways. He is so much bigger than we can comprehend. And in that thought, there is comfort. In his greatness, we know that he is in control. There is nothing he doesn't see or know, nothing he cannot do. He has created you. He formed you in my womb. He made you for a purpose. 
He saved you for himself. He created you, a young woman, in his image. As such, you are of infinite and eternal worth. Rachel, in choosing Yeshua, you have chosen life. You are loved. You are a child of God. That is your identity. In choosing Yeshua, he has given you his eyes. You see the hurting, the needy, those trapped in darkness. You are called to make a difference. Young woman, how do you do that? How do you turn darkness to light? Heal hurts, meet needs. Walk with Yeshua. Abide in his word. Pray daily. Be a friend to the friendless. Be salt. Be light. Keep the big picture in mind so that you do not fall for fleeting temptations. Choose today whom you will serve. If you marry, marry a man who sees your worth, shares your calling, and follows Yeshua, a man who loves you and respects you. If he does not see your worth, then he is not looking with Yeshua's eyes. Better to be alone, though with Yeshua you are never alone. Wait. Sometimes waiting feels like forever. Develop the patience of God. Wait. If you are blessed to be a mother, train your children the way they should go. Tell them about Yeshua and even more. Model Yeshua to them. When you work, work as if God is your boss, because he is. When you play, find joy in God's goodness and beauty. Remember your calling. Yeshua calls us to make disciples. Pray, prepare, follow, teach, model, lead, bless. Dance with joy. Run the race he has set before you. In all your ways, acknowledge God. Give him the glory. Praise him with thanksgiving. And be the woman he called you to be. Reflect his image. It is with great joy I get to present to you, Rachel Aliyah Norman, your certificate of bat mitzvah. You're Would you please stand for the Vizot HaTorah? Vizot HaTorah, Asher Samoshe, Lifne B'nei Yisrael, Api Adonai, Ve'yad Moshe.
Tamohud le haftara Elisheva bat Yehudit. You may be seated. The offering of Judah and Jerusalem. Oh, sorry, let's start with Malachi 3, verses 4 through 24. Selections. The offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to Adonai as it was in the days of old. Then I will approach you for judgment. I will be quick to witness against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers against those who take advantage of wage earners, widows, and orphans, against those who rob the foreigner of his rights and don't fear me, says Adonai Tzavaot. But because I, Adonai, do not change, you sons of Yaakov will not be destroyed. Since the days of your forefathers, you have turned from my laws and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you. But you ask, how are we supposed to return? Can a person rob God? Yet you rob me. You ask, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings? A curse is on your whole nation because you rob me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there will be food in my house and put me to the test. See if I won't open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing far beyond your needs. I will forbid pests from devouring your crops, and your vine will not lose its fruit before harvest time. All nations will call you happy, for you will be a land of delights. You have spoken strongly against me, yet you say, how have we spoken against you? By saying, there is no point in serving God. What good is it to obey his orders? We consider the arrogant happy. Also, evildoers prosper. They put God to the test. They get away with it. Then those who feared Adonai spoke together, and Adonai heard. A record book was written in his presence for those who feared him, had respect for his name. They will be mine, says Adonai Tzavaot. On the day when I compose my own special treasure, I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then once again, you will see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between the person who serves God and the one that doesn't. For the day is coming, burning like a furnace, when all the proud and evildoers will be stubble. That day will set them on fire and leave them neither root nor branch. But to you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will break out leaping like calves released from the stall. You will trample the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I take action. Remember the Torah of Moshe, my servant, the laws and rulings I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. Look, I will send to you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of Adonai. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with complete destruction. When the Messiah appeared as Kohen Gadol of the good things that are happening already, then through the greater and more perfect tent, which is not man-made, that is not of this created world, he entered the holiest place once and for all. He entered not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus setting people free forever. 
For if sprinkling ceremonially unclean persons with the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer restored their outward purity, then how much more the blood of the Messiah, who through the eternal spirit offered himself to God as a sacrifice without blemish, who will purify our conscience from works that lead to death so that we can serve the living God. It is because of this death that he is mediator of a new covenant or will. Because a death has occurred which sets people free from the sins committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. For where there is a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it. Since a will goes into effect only upon death, it never has force while its maker is still alive. This is why the first covenant, too, was inaugurated with blood. After Moshe had proclaimed every command of the Torah to the people, he took the blood of calves with some water and used scarlet wool and hyssop to sprinkle both the scroll and all the people. And he said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has ordained for you. Likewise, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the things used in its ceremonies. According to the Torah, almost everything is purified with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. This is how the copies of the heavenly things had to be purified. But the heavenly things themselves require better sacrifices than these. For the Messiah has entered a holiest place, which is not man-made and merely a copy of the true one, but into heaven itself in order to now appear on our behalf in the very presence of God. Further, he did not enter heaven to offer himself over and over again, like the Kohen Hagadol who enters the holiest place year after year with blood that is not his own. For then he would have had to suffer death many times from the founding of the universe on. As it is, he has appeared once at the end of the ages in order to do away with sin through the sacrifice of himself. Just as human beings have to die once, and after that face judgment, so also the Messiah, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to bring salvation to those who are eagerly waiting for him. The ark. Alt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this wisdom is a tree of life for those who grasp it, and its supporters are praiseworthy. Its ways are ways of pleasantness, and all its paths are peace. Bring us back to you, Adonai, and we shall return. Renew our days as of old." It's Chaim he the Machazikim ba the Tom Cheha Meushar the Rahcheha Darchenoham the Chonativoteha Shalom. Ahashivan hu Adonai Elehavenashuva Chavadesh Chavadesh
yamehenu Chodesh yamehenu kekedem Thank you. You may be seated. For a moment we have something special for the kids. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I'm sitting here cozy in front of a fire. Do you like fires? Did you know that there's a lot we can learn about God from a fire? The Bible uses fire a lot, even in this week's Torah portion. What do you see about our fire? Do you see flames springing up at the top and hot coals and embers glowing at the bottom? Well, in this week's Torah portion... We have an offering made entirely. It goes all the way up. It's called the Ola, the the burnt offering that completely goes up. It's completely burned up. And this is what it says in Leviticus uh, chapter 6. In Hebrew, it's verse 2. In English, it's verse 9. It says, Give Aaron and his sons this command. These are the regulations for the burnt offering. That's the Ola that gets completely burnt. The burnt offering is to remain on the altar hearth throughout the night till morning, and the fire must be kept burning on the altar. Now, that altar hearth in Hebrew is this word. Now, you don't have to know Hebrew to see what I want to show you. In the Torah scroll, there is something a little bit different about this word. Do you see? What is different? Look at all the letters. Do you see that one is smaller than the rest? And it's a pie. Do you see it? It's the first one. It's this one right here. That's the mem. Now the mem teaches us a lot about us and about how we worship God. So this altar, this hearth, was supposed to be kept burning all night long. Have you ever left a campfire burning all night long? Well, in the morning, does it look like this? Or are the flames at the top gone and all you have left are the embers at the bottom? Those little tiny glowing embers at the bottom are like our mem. And the mem is like our hearts. And God says in Romans 12, 11, not to let our fire go out, to serve the Lord and serve him with our whole hearts. So with that little man in the Torah, it shows us that our devotion to God needs to be like the tiny little embers at the bottom of the fire. See, we don't want to be like the flames on the top because the flames burn up and then they're gone and they burn up what they were burning. But the little embers at the bottom can stay warm, stay hot, stay ready to light something on fire. They can stay that way all night long and they can restart a fire the next morning. And that is the way our devotion to the Lord needs to be. Long lasting, like an ember. Shabbat Shalom. That's a good word. Thank you, Elisa. I can actually say thank you in person. It's wonderful. Um, you enter into to worship this morning. I wanted to just bring some things to our attention. As, uh, 
said this morning earlier that today is Nisan 10. And as David's taught us each year, Nisan 10 is Lamb Selection Day. And today is Nisan 10. And on this day, the lamb was to be selected and brought to the house for observation until Passover. And on this day, in the heavens, Venus, also known as the morning star, has come to the Pleiades. And the Pleiades, if you don't know, is a grouping of seven stars in the heavens. And in fact, the layout of the Pleiades matches the geographical layout of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Venus does this every eight years, but in a quick check of the last 150 years at least, from the person that I got this from, Daniel Matson, the morning star has never coincided with Nissan 10 in these last 150 years, which makes this year unique. Now, Nissan 10, Yeshua made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem to be observed as the Messiah, and he was made our Passover lamb. He was brought before the congregation of Israel, and later he wept over Jerusalem because they did not see the time of their salvation. They missed it. And the names of the stars and the constellation come to us from Greek mythology. And Atlas, the second brightest star is the cl- in the cluster, is named after the seven sisters, Pleiades, the seven sisters' father. And that star, based on the geography of the seven churches that matches the cluster, is positioned where the seventh church, Laodicea, is positioned. Ironically, there is a comet called Atlas that is showing it may be quite a show for brightness that will reach its perihelion and cross the orbital plane of all days on Shavuot, Pentecost, near the Pleiades. So on Nisan 10, when the Pleiades hits meridian at Patmos, any of this is clicking, at 77 degrees altitude, the morning star is next to Atlas the star representing the seventh church, Laodicea. And it came to mind as, as I was reading that, that you know, the Lord says that what is the length of a man's life? He says 70. He's appointed a 70 years, and if by strength, 80. This year, Israel is turning 72. You can do the math. We need to be about the Lord's business. We don't know. We don't know how much time we have left. We see the days are shortening. We see the earth has been put on pause right now. It's the time for the body of Messiah to wake up. We want to see revival. We want to see the awakening happen. We need to be in our faces before him. We need to be walking in his strength and his power and his authority. And we want to cry out for the glory of God to cover the whole earth. Psalm 20 says, May Adonai answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob set you up securely on high. May he send you help from the sanctuary and send you support from Zion. May he remember all your meal offerings 
and accept the fat of your burnt offering, Selah. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. We will shout for God in your victory and lift up our banners in the name of our God. May Adonai fulfill all our petitions. Now that I, now I know Adonai saves his anointed. He answers him from his holy heaven with saving strength of his right hand. Some have chariots, some have horses, but we remember the name of Adonai, our God. They have collapsed and fallen, but we rise up and support each other. Adonai, save the king. Answer us on the day that we call. Stars sing.
every tongue shall confess that Yeshua is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lord, there is nothing, there is nothing that can come against you. Lord, as, as Rachel spoke this morning, Lord, we're, put to, we're to put on the full armor of God, which includes, it includes the sword of the Spirit, but it also includes the shield of faith. And you said, Lord, that we would be able to quench every single fiery dart, everyone, every fiery dart that comes against us whether they come as words, whether they come as thoughts and ideas, which we're to take captive, every thought, the obedience of Messiah. Or whether something called the virus comes against us, we are going to proclaim the name of Messiah Yeshua over it. We are going to proclaim the name of Yeshua over our bodies. We are going to proclaim the name of Yeshua over our families. We are going to proclaim the name of Yeshua over the city. We are going to proclaim the name of Yeshua over the state of Texas. We are going to proclaim the name of Yeshua over the United States of America. We proclaim the name of Yeshua over our presidents, over our leaders, over the state of Israel. All those who are called by your name, Lord, have your name written upon them. We proclaim your name, Lord. We proclaim your name. The sound of your great name. The enemy must fall. He must fall. He must decrease and become his knots. We say to this virus, dissipate. Dissipate in the name of Yeshua. You must observe that the blood of the Lamb of God is being applied. It has been applied to the hearts of those who believe in Yeshua and in faith. God, we in faith apply it during this Passover season. We expect, Lord, we expect, we expect in faith to see that as this Passover passes, see it diminishing day by day of the numbers of this virus and they will not be able to stand we will see your victory unfold in Yeshua's name
that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget none of his benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. Who satisfies your years with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagle. I will give thanks to you. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it full well. In your book were written all the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and now for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. For I, the Lord, am your healer. For you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And you will go forth and skip about like palms from the storm.
they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. Departing, they began going throughout the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me
Advancing behind him was a great army, a great army of Egyptians that thought they could take advantage of the people of God who seemed trapped in the natural. And Moses said, as you had instructed him to raise up his staff, he said, Stand still and see the deliverance of the Lord. Lord, you are mighty to save. And when there didn't seem to be any hope, you blew with your wind and the seas parted and the people of Israel crossed the sea on dry ground. Not muddy ground, but completely dry. Completely dry ground in safety and security led them across the sea and as they got towards the end the enemy thought that they could pursue and they came into the place of blessing that you had for your people, the dry ground and as they got across and the people cried out you blew again as your people 
blood made it safely across. You blew a glen with your wind. And actually all you have to do is to release your hand. Because your hand stays the tide. And so you released your hand. And the mighty water crashed upon your enemies. And they were sunk in the bottom of the sea. Never to be seen again. So you put our sins in the depths of the sea. Never to be seen again. We trust you, Lord. We want to be still. We hear your voice. God, you've told this whole earth to be still. Well, surely the people of God can be still. Bye. 
ask for your peace. The whole body of Messiah. We ask, Lord, that you would blow with your Ruach. Blow. Blow upon us. God, I pray, Lord, that you would bring revival. Bring revival in this land. Bring revival in Israel. God, I pray, Lord, that though there are storms about, though there are conspiracies, though there are things to fear, your word says don't call a conspiracy everything they call a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear. So we will not be afraid. We will put our trust in you. For you are our God. You are our strong tower. You are our deliverer, the mighty one of Israel, the king of all kings, and the Lord of all lords. And as, as our sister Rachel said, we need to have the sword of the Spirit. And how do we get the sword of the Spirit? We need to memorize the Word of God. So this morning, we're, we're afternoon now, by our brother John to share Word of God with us. May we implant it deeply in our hearts. Shabbat Shalom. We're delighted that you all are joining us uh, virtually uh, on our YouTube channel. Uh, and again, I want to encourage you to uh, on the YouTube to, uh, to click on like uh, and, and click on the bell in the right-hand corner so that you ought to get automatic uh, notifications. Uh, and then most importantly, click the share button and then share it uh, with your friends and, and neighbors and colleagues. Well, this morning we are delighted to have uh, our own uh, bass player and our, and our music team, John Hermanson, uh, deliver us a, a very special message. Uh, John is an ordained minister with the, with, with the Salvation Army. He, he uh, holds the rank of major. He holds it still to this day in, 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 the, in the Army. Uh, and uh, he has been the Salvation Army uh, uh, network uh, of assemblies. Uh, and so John has a, has a word the Lord has put in his heart to, to bless us with. Uh, so I encourage you to uh, listen closely uh, and to take uh, God's word into your heart. In Yeshua's name, amen. Thank you, David. Uh, thank you. Am I, am I live now? Okay, good. I, I could, uh, it, it occurred to me that I might share a little bit about myself. Um, I've had a wild and crazy history in my own life. But uh, no, I, I have something much more interesting to share with you than my own life. Uh, when, I, when I look through the, the Bible and I study it, sometimes in casual reading of it, I, I look at it and I wish, I wish the Word of God would be, tell me a lot more about the personalities in the Bible. When I do Bible uh, personality studies, I often look at it and say, tell me. Tell me more. Tell me more. I wish, you know, sometimes I think about Abraham, who's the subject of our message today. I, I think about him and I say, could you have at least given me a Briggs-Meyer, uh, uh, the results of a Briggs-Meyer exam? Let me tell I want to know if, he, if he's an ENTJ like myself or an ISFJ or, or ENTP. But uh, there's no hints like that in the Bible. Uh, I also want to know about his childhood. Tell me how he grew up. How did he come to the conclusions that he did? All of these details. Write me a book. Show me these things. They're not there either. However, the Bible is really unique in that the more you look at it, the more you realize there are these little subtleties about it that give you hints as to who 
this Abraham was. And the more you study it and read it, as a, read it as a whole, and you read it as small verses one at a time, you start to see things about people in it. And I've come to some conclusions reading this Tanakh, reading this word about Abraham. And I've decided that this guy is an extremely admirable man. He's not only very admirable, but he is very likable. I think he's the kind of guy you would like to meet. I also think that he's extremely passionate, that his life exemplified that passion. Take the end of the chapter, and this is slide one coming here. Um, The Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless you, those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and all people on earth will be blessed through you. From this sudden introduction, one can deduce several things, that the Lord loved Abraham very deeply very deeply, as a person, this God that nobody'd seen in person, that you don't want to see face to face, that God who is so holy and, and yet so beautiful, that God loved him deeply. Wow. I also see that Abraham was already a friend of God, that Abraham was loved by God for what he was already. He lived an exemplary life. In human ways, he was somebody you look up to. You say, wow, I like that man. Now, going back a little bit to the chapter before, at the very end of the chapter, you read slide two. uh, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot and Haran, and his daughter and uh, daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out for Ur of the Chaldees to go to, from Ur of the Chaldees to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. From the statement, we can see that Abraham came out of Ur of the Chaldees. But you can also see it doesn't say he was a Chaldean. It says he came from there. And he went to Haran, and he was not one of the people of Haran either. He was not an Akkadian, but he went there. Now, there is uh, one little hint that he may be like the Akkadians in some form, in that uh, Terah, his dad, named one of his sons Haran. Is it possible maybe there was a quality about the Arcadians that was like Haran? One thing we know about them is they were nomadic in nature. And I wonder... I think, I believe that Abraham was nomadic in nature as well. So basically, Adam was, uh, uh, Abram was in these places, but he was not of these places. He, worshiped a, he did not worship the gods that they worshipped. Uh, often they wor- worshipped celestial gods, stars, sun, moon. He avoided that. He was looking for the creator of these things. Now, my wife uh, she's Lucy. You, she's not in the camera anyplace. But um, uh, her grandfather, her family, everybody in her family, and they say it verbatim. They quote him when they said, where are you from? He says, yeah, I came from Norway. <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm being brash because I heard this story several times from several members of the family. I said, yeah, but 
was he Norwegian? And they'd look at me and say, well, he came from Norway. He must be Norwegian. Well, we went to Sweden, my wife and I, and while we were there, we, we did a lot of research into my family because my dad is from Sweden. And uh, we began to do a little research. We, we finished that, and we did, be, began to do this research on, on her grandfather. And it turns out he has a Swedish name, and he was from Sweden. Now, I remember that commercial. I don't know if you remember. The, I think it was, oh, I don't remember. It was a credit card commercial about... American Express, I think, about the son took his dad to his home of Norway and they had the food and they did dance the dances and they did everything. And after they did all of this, they discovered that he was not Norwegian at all. He was either Danish or Swedish or something. So they had to do it all over again. But um, anyway, she eventually had a DNA test and it turns out that he was Swedish, but he was also Norwegian. So... Anyway, um, they did find out that he was telling the truth. But Abraham was not, he was from these places, but he was not of them. He didn't worship the way he did. He probably didn't dress the way he did. He was different in many ways. Now, there's another way we know that he was different is uh, archaeology. You know, there's some uh, digging going on in many of these cities, Ur and Haran, and they've discovered a lot of these, a lot of things. And one of these towns, they discovered thousands and thousands of tablets. And on these tablets were accounting by business people. And on these accounting, they found the name Abraham occasionally, or Abram occasionally. We don't know if it's the same Abram, but we found that. We also found, or they also found pillars. And on these pillars were in, I believe it was cuneiform, all of these stories about uh, creation and even the flood. Now, the stories from town to town seem to uh, vary a bit, but the idea is they were looking to and recognized, at least in some form or another, that there was a great God out there, not just the little gods that they were following. There is something above all things, the God of creation. There was also a man, his name is Melchizedek, and he lived in Salem, which I believe is Jerusalem. And he came out, and he was the priest of the one high God, the God of creation, the God of everything, the God of the flood. So we know Abram was looking for something, and he was finding, and his people were finding this God of creation that was above all things and not just little things. When my kids went to school, uh, because we had moved around way too much, they would go and they would choose their friends carefully because they did not have to act like anybody at school because they had friends elsewhere. They had a bigger picture of what it was. And I think Abram had this big picture of God way above and way much better than the little gods and all of their crazy ideas that came with it. Abram saw above that. Now, there's two characteristics about Abram that I find really, really fascinating. Slide three. Abraham waited on the Lord. From the Negev, he went to, from place to place until he came to Bethel. And in the place between Bethel and Ai, where he, his tent had been earlier, and where he first built an altar, there Abram called on the name of the Lord. I have this mental picture of Abram. 
building a pile of rocks, waiting all night, calling, Lord, Lord, what do you want of me? How do you want me to live? How do you want me to be? What do you want me to be? What do you want me to feel like? How do you want me to view people? How do you want me to view my past? How do you want me to view you, God of the universe, waiting? I believe he waited in the wilderness with a great passion. There's another guy in scripture very much like this. Came a lot later. His name is David. And David, David, he left us some poetry about this waiting experience. And he was very much like, in fact, if you look at slide four, we know that the Lord had sought out a man of his own heart and appointed him leader of his people because he had the heart. He followed God so much that he had the heart of God. I believe Abram was like that. I see these two men very similar. And then slide five. Hear my voice, said David, when I call. O Lord, be merciful to me. I can imagine this being a prayer that took all night and it turned into a poem. Hear my voice, a song. O Lord, be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek my face, seek his face, Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in in your straight paths because of my oppressors. He had passion the kind of passion that would bed, standing before rocks, waiting and hiding from enemies. It was a passion that says, define me. I don't want to define myself. Lucy and I have a uh, movie that's on our shelves, our favorite shelf, called The Road Home. Have you ever heard of it? Okay, I don't know. It's a very obscure Chinese movie that has English subtitles. And it's about a peasant woman who lived in a small town right about the time uh, communists took over the communist revolution. And um, she didn't like any of the men in town. When they were all getting married, she refused to marry anybody. And along came a school teacher into town, and she instantly fell in love with him. They courted in very traditional ways and very symbolic ways in the film. And she would go, she could not read or write, so she would go every day and sit outside the school and listen to him teach. She loved the sound of his voice. She loved the beautiful teaching. She cared about him with great passion. And well, then uh, because he was a man of influence and teaching, the Communist Party wanted to talk to him. And sometimes they wanted to talk to him for days and weeks and months, and they would send him away or take him away to a city far away. And he would have to travel back. And sometimes he was gone for days and weeks and months. And our peasant girl, the wife of this man, stood by the road at the time of day when he was to come. And she would wait for him every day, waiting, waiting, and waiting. She waited when the sun was shining. She waited when it was raining. And when it snowed, she waited with passion, waiting, hoping, hoping. Now, this is a crazy movie. They never kissed. 
They never even hugged. I mean, there is no sign of affection in the movie at all. But there was great passion in this movie. Or if you were looking, there was great passion. And you saw it when she waited. You saw it when she waited. You saw it on her face. She loved with all her heart this man, this school teacher. Well, I see Abraham like that. I see him waiting with this great passion. What do you want of me, Lord? What should I be like? How should I act? How should I think? How should I be? Because I want to be with you because you are the God of the universe. Slide six. I am am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord and be strong. Take heart and wait for the Lord. I see also Abraham waiting. I also see Abraham blessing. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I'm about to show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make you your name. That's slide seven. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I believe Abraham was already being a blessing. And I ask myself, why would, why would he be told this? Yes, the foundation is he was already that kind of person. He was already imitating the spirit of the God of the universe. Slide eight. The Hebrew verb, barak, I, I forgive my Hebrew, I don't speak it, but for, uh, the Hebrew verb barak means to kneel as in Genesis 24, and it says he had his camels kneeled down uh, near the wall outside the town. Of course, that's another story. We won't get into it. But the use of the word means simply to kneel down. However, uh, and again, I don't understand this grammar, but uh, 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 however, when it's written in the peel, uh, Hebrew meaning active, uh, a verb, I would guess, a form, it means to show respect, usually translated as bless. Genesis 12.2 would be to give things on your knees. On your knees to give things. Church, I, I've heard the word tossed around. Uh, oh, it's such a blessing. It's, this is a blessing. This, uh, that's a blessing, that kind of thing. And, and the meaning of it is true and it's good. But I, for me, the word blessing runs a whole lot deeper than that. And it begins on your knees. It means to deliver to another person in words, deeds, gifts, ideas, feelings, revelations, teachings of great value and goodness in such a way that it is understood, acceptable, and desirable. A lot of people just give advice. I've done it myself. And sometimes advice is good. Sometimes it's on the cheap side. Whether it's good or not, there's not much invested into it. But I think when Abraham spoke, there was a lot invested in it behind him. Slide nine. I believe Abraham, when he gave advice, when he gave a blessing, it was filled with time, time spent. It was filled with energy, energy spent on it. It was filled with attention. He paid attention to what was going on. He was a great observer 
of what was going on in people and in the situation. He saw things. It was filled with great sincerity and affection, and it was full of sacrifice. Blessings are rather difficult to uh, give to others. Sometimes they're very intentional and deliberate, and sometimes they're very spontaneous. But I believe that spontaneousness and a great blessing of prayer, lots of prayer and time on your knees. Sometimes a blessing is delivered to another in a simple word that is perfectly timed, a timing that comes out of deep goodness and those hours on your knees. But most often, a blessing is delivered from one person to another because they study you. They care about you. I'd like to tell you a little story about a blessing. I was 18 years old. I came from a really crazy family. And uh, uh, so I had a lot of confusion in my life at this time. And I took a job as a camp uh, counselor. And this is two years after I gave my heart to the Lord. And I was still figuring it all out. And um, this camp was a Salvation Army camp that uh, 18 years old, I was going to be the counselor, one of the counselors. There were many counselors for it because they had four, six, eight hundred kids there. So I was going to be there. And I remember this camp from long ago. I had a very bad experience at this camp. And in my 18-year-old thinking, I was thinking, I'm going to fix that. When I go to be a counselor, I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to be different. I am going to fix that. So I had an attitude when I went there. And uh, I was different. I admit it. I was very different. My wife says I'm still different. But um, I, I was very different at the time. And also, there's only a few of these salvationists there. But because there was only a few salvationists, they had hired all of these students. I believe they were from Asbury Seminary. Most of them were 24, 25, 27, even 30 years old. And it was a very mature set of counselors, well, except for me, of course. And um, uh, they thought of me as different. And I was. Well, we had a long stretch in the middle of the summer where we worked and we only had afternoons off occasionally between camps. And we finally had a weekend off before the next two camps and the final part of the summer. And we were all sitting around a campfire and we were just talking and sharing uh, I believe it was a Thursday evening before we had the day off, the final day of sending the kids home. And uh, we were just talking, and everybody was saying, you know what I'm going to do with my two days? And they would tell how they were going to go home, or they were going to go do this, or they're going to buy this. Uh, they were going to see a movie. They were going to go on a date. They were going to do all of these things. And it came to me, and I said, well, I don't know. I don't have a car, so I'd probably just stay here. And uh, while there's probably a lot of errands I'd love to run, but ah, I'm okay here. And afterward, we were walking toward the cabins uh, where we were at. We each had a a cabin, uh, a room inside of the main cabin with the kids. And we were walking back, and some guy walked up to me. I believe his name was Dan. I don't even remember his name. But he walked up to me and he says, Hey, John, I'll take you home. Okay. You don't mind running errands with me? No, no problem. And uh, so he took me home that weekend. I still lived with my parents and my crazy parents. And he went and he stayed with us. 
And he hung around these crazy parents and he laughed with them and he ate with them and he talked with them and he, he brought the little gift or you know, food or something when he went there. He bought, went to the grocery store. He did all kinds of little things. And my parents loved him. My crazy parents actually loved this guy. And we went on errands and we spent time together talking. I remember one particular errand. We were walking and we were talking about what's important to us. And I was saying, I don't like this attitude. I don't like that attitude. I prefer to be this. And he was sharing some of these things too. And he had a habit of saying, that's cool, John. That's cool, John. And at one point I said something. I have no idea what it was. I said something and he walked in front of me and he stopped and he pointed his finger at me and says, John, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I didn't think of it as beautiful. I don't even remember what I said, but I remember his finger and I remember him saying that. The following two weeks, I was not the same person. The following two weeks, I went just to be a good counselor. I was not trying to fix anything. Somehow, something changed in my heart. And it was because of that blessing. I kind of think, Dan or whatever his name was, when I look back at it, I kind of think he spent his money on gas. He drove his car. He took the whole weekend to be with crazy me. He spent the whole weekend with me. He endured my crazy parents. I mean, he actually loved them. And I think it was all the driving around, all of the things, all just to say that one thing. John, that's beautiful. If he said that any other circumstance, it wouldn't have meant anything. But because he paid the price, because I believe he did that in great prayer, it was a very spontaneous act, but it came out of great intention. When I think of Abraham, I think of a man who takes the time he spends the energy. He watches. He gives you his attention. He observes things. What you do, how you do, how you dress, how you talk, how you move. He listens to you. And then he pays a sacrifice for you. That's a blessing. Given on your knees to somebody. That's goodness. Might be a loaf of bread, but it's not just a loaf of bread. It's a loaf of bread in the perfect timing. It might be his own life, his own life sacrifice. He was willing to give his son, his only son. It was a sacrifice, a terrible sacrifice. You can bet for Abraham, it was not about his religion. It was not about walking perfect and trying to be good. It was not about how he performed in church or within the congregation or in the synagogue. It was not about a code of law. He didn't even have a code of law. He was just living it. It was not about how he dressed and how he looked. It was about the passionate desire to bless somebody with all his heart. You know, later came the law. And I think it, many commentators say that Abraham was a guy that already lived the law. And uh, Maimonides, I've read a few bits uh, of his stuff and one of the things I, I noticed is he looked at Abraham and said, why, why did God choose Abraham? And um, 
The crazy thing, the answer is simple. It's because God chose Abraham. Uh, no, let me rephrase that. Check that. Reverse it. Abraham chose God. He chose God. He looked for him with great passion. And this law is only a natural way of performing so that you can follow this God. And I believe that's why Moses gave it. Here's a little excerpt of it. Uh, slide nine. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not set your desires on your neighbor's house, his land, his manservant, maidservant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This is a negative expression of the law, but if you reverse it, you get something different. You talk about giving life finding ways to give life to people, to help them wake up and become. You talk about instead of committing adultery, you find blessing the relationships of people, caring about them with with a passion that says, I want you to be the best. It says don't steal. Instead, you give gifts. It says you don't lie. And it says, no, you bring goodness, understanding and wisdom. You seek these things with all your heart. You don't lie because you're seeking something else that is of great value. You shall not covet, but you will bring blessings instead. You will bring blessings, the reverse state of mind from covet. It's simple. Slide 12. If you see your brother or your ox strain, uh, uh, your brother's ox or sheep strain, don't ignore it, but be sure to take it back from him. If your brother does not live, Near you, uh, or if you don't know who your brother is, take it home and keep it until your brother comes looking for it, then give it back to him. Do the same if your, brother's, uh, if, if your brother's donkey or his cloak or anything he loses, don't ignore it. If your brother's donkey or oxen uh, fall on the road, do not ignore it. Help him to his feet. A study of the law indicates that you and I are responsible for one another. In our hearts, in our prayers, and in our actions, we are responsible for the people around us. And we bring blessings to them, as Abraham did. Slide 13. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, so that it may go well with you, and you may go in and take the good land that the Lord promised an oath to your forefathers. To do what is right and to do what is good is to imitate the spirit of the creator, the spirit of the, of the savior of the flood, the spirit of the one that is here all around waiting and watching and loving me and you. If there's any feeling in this, it's a joy. It's a privilege, it's a goodness, and it is a passion, and it is a fire, as was expressed earlier. To love is not a feeling so much as a responsibility, they say, but it is also a passion that comes from the deep times in your heart where you pray for people and you honor people with all you've got. Now, the next progression of this law is naturally the Messiah. And if you look at it, slide 14, a little story 
uh, a little uh, incident that occurred uh, with Yeshua. As Yeshua started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Yeshua answered, no one is good except God alone. Oh, what a hint. He continues, you know the commands. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your mother and father. Well, teacher, he says, all of these things I have kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. He looked at him and he loved him. Now, Jesus is the kind of guy who spent nights often on his knees talking to the Father about people. Maybe he saw him in the future. Maybe he saw him now, and in this, his great passion, he saw him and he loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell all everything you have and give it to the poor, and you'll have treasures in heaven, and then come follow me. At this, man, at this, a man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, what was it about this man that Yeshua saw in him that was not in proper place to be a good follower of Yeshua, the Messiah? Was it money? No, that was not a problem. Was it outward righteousness? No, this guy had been to Yeshiva. He knew. It was not about Irish, uh, uh, excuse me, did I say Irish? It was not about righteousness on the outside. He was a pious man uh, and following the law already. But he says, you lack something. Something that all followers of Yeshua are working on with all their heart and a great passion. Yeshua looked at this man where he was from the very beginning to the very end and saw probably that his heart would be changed. And right now, before his heart was changed, he needed time, time to spend thinking and doing. He needed to spend energy, take his, all of his energy to push on for a goal. And in this case, getting rid of his stuff. He needed to pay attention. He needed to observe. He needed to be on his knees. He needed sincerity and affection. And he needed that time on his knees in prayer, bringing himself to the Lord, bringing others to the Lord. He needed to sacrifice. Yeshua saw where this man was and where he was going. He was not there, but there was something in his character that was coming. This man needed heart surgery. He needed to wait on the Lord with all his heart and his mind. He needed to build a passion in his heart that allowed him to follow with joy. He needed a passion in his heart that allowed him to bless others. Yeshua was saying, divest yourself of anything holding you back. It wasn't the money. It was his image, whether it was power or prestige or those possessions. Get rid of them so they're not in the way. Define yourself as one who's a seeker, who is waiting. Define yourself as one who blesses. Slide 15. Then a teacher of the law came to, to him and says, I will follow you wherever you go. Yeshua replied, foxes have holes. And birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man, he has no place to, to lay his head. 
Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Yeshua said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. Jesus looked at people and he saw right through them. He saw their hearts. He saw the evidences around them, the way they conducted themselves, their mannerisms, and the uh, words they chose, and then he looked into their heart. He knew where they they were. And he says, you know, followers of Yeshua, the Messiah, we don't have a home here. This is not our place. We'll give our lives because this is not what we are about. We don't live here except to bless others and to follow this God. Matthew 11, this is slide 16. I tell you the truth. Among those born of women, there has never risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet, he, is a, who, he who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Wow. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. Wow, this sounds on the surface of it almost contradictory and crazy. And yes, it was crazy. It was crazy because the followers of Yeshua are forcefully going to push things aside in their lives, forcefully grab hold of the righteousness that is given to them, the holiness that is a prize given to them. They're forcefully going to reach for it with all their might and all their energy and all their passion because it's more important than their own lives. I think Abraham was this kind of man. I think David was. And I think Yeshua, the Messiah, was the epitome of this kind of person. He said a couple of things worth noting in slide 17. Do not love the world or anything else in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world is craving of sinful man. The lust of the eyes, the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Some say the love, that love is not a feeling, but it's an action. On one hand, I agree, but on the other, I believe it's born out of great passion. This kind of love, this godly love, this seeking and waiting and searching and blessing. One of my favorite disciples, and obviously Jesus' favorite disciple, said this, slide eight, 18. How great is the love of the Father has, how great is the love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God, and this is what, what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. You have to become defined by that love, that passion, that fire within you. Don't let it go out. Slide 19. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed us, showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that he might live through him. 
often God is described as a holy burning fire. Fire is also defined by love. Where he waits on us. He's waited on me all my life. He waits on us. And in finding him, and in searching with all our passion and all our own fire, pointing at him, forcing everything out of the way so that we can look at him, there is joy and there is goodness. This week is Pesach or Passover, if I said that right. It is a week we celebrate the saving of the Jewish people from slavery to bring them into the promised land. It is a week we celebrate death passing us over because of the blood of the man who loved us and blessed us and fulfilled the law because he, we couldn't. This week we celebrate the blood spilling, spilled by the Messiah. Yeshua was the epitome of that love. The one by his very nature waited on God until the right timing for everything to allow himself to be killed in our place. What was his ultimate expression of love? Being the Lamb of God. Being the sacrifice once and for all. Now, this is love. And you can bet, throughout his life, his prayer time was all about this. Passionately seeking and waiting and understanding it. He took the time, all the time necessary, to develop, to make sure that he had it exactly right. He gave all of his energy and worked on it to love and passionately act like God the Father himself. He gave us his, his attention and he observed us with sincerity and great affection. And then he gave the sacrifice. As we celebrate the Passover and the new, love found, uh, the new life found in the Lamb, consider yourselves a vehicle of this kind of blessing one that runs deep and costs you much as well. Uh, They don't come every day, this kind of opportunity to love and find love and be loved by the God of the universe. James said this. It's a beautiful passage about the way believers and followers of the Messiah should be. He says, is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing psalms of praise. Is anyone sick? He should go before the elders to pray over him and anoint him with oil and in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith uh, will make the sick uh, person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one another. Uh, Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. When I see Abraham waiting on God, I also see him saying, here's my life. Do you remember when happened? Do you remember when this happened, Lord? I was wrong. Do you remember my attitudes back there? That was wrong. I don't want to be that way. I want to be like you, passionately giving his entire life. This picture is a beautiful one of the, uh, of the Yeshua of Nazareth, that in prayer, we could have his spirit. We can know him. You know, there's, there's a movie, another movie, yes, 
uh, that is real popular. I almost sh- showed you a slide of it. I, I gave it to the guys, and I said, no, 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 don't do that, because when I looked at it again, I, I took a moment not to see the principle behind it, but the acting, and I said, no, this isn't right. We don't want to show this. I don't want you to see that. I want you to see this. In it, it's, it's Groundhog Day, and I'm sure most of you or many of you have seen it, but in it, there's a principle. There's an idea, as if the author was saying, if I could only, if a man could have as many days repeated over and over and over until he could see things, till he could understand things. And the character in the movie was a very selfish, egotistic man who used and abused people for his own pleasure. And then he got to live the day over and over. And his first response is, oh, goody, I can have anything I want. I can use and abuse everything. He learned how to steal money from banks. He learned how to get a date every night. He did everything so cool, he abused people. And after a while, that became boring. And after a while, he became depressed doing this. And his depression became so great that he began to kill himself day after day after day, trying different methods to get rid of himself because he didn't want to live this day over and over. And he finally came to the conclusion when he woke up the next morning, and it was still February 2nd. They say he did this 12,403 times. It was calculated by somebody. And he came to this point that says, now what? I can't kill myself. I'm here again. And in his depression, he looked around. And he started seeing things. He started reading. He started studying. He started to care about things. He started to fix things around him. I don't know how many times he saved that little boy falling out of the tree. But he did it every day because not on this day That's not going to happen. I believe in the real story, this man learned to repent because he turned from his old ways because he saw the stupidity and the folly of a short life lived doing anything he wanted to do. And death wasn't enough for him. But he had to live. And he began to discover the grace of God. He began to discover a passion that motivated him and pushed him to do things right. He discovered that he could see things in people. He knew everybody in town, and he knew their feelings. He saw things in people. At one point, he says, uh, I'm, I'm a God, but I'm just a little God with a little G. I'm not the God, because he saw so much. He discovered so much. And in the end, he lived a life of blessing, of waiting, waiting, waiting for life to continue, waiting on God, waiting on the spirit of the creation, spirit of the universe. And he, in his waiting, he blessed and observed and watched. I believe we are to be the same. And instead of having 12,403 days of one day to figure this all out, we have the Holy Spirit. When we give our life to the Lord, we have the Holy Spirit who shows us things when we are in passion, seek to bless and honor not only the Lord but other people. We're about to, uh, uh, the band can get together again. We're about to sing our, our last song, but I would like to pray with you. 
And if you bow your heads, um, if you're on air uh, in your own home or here, let's pray. Lord, put in my heart that kind of passion, that kind of feeling that nothing matters but you. Nothing at all. I want to push everything aside so you are my greatest passion. And Lord, in me and in us, in our congregation, that we would bless people like Abraham with great passion, that we would take the time and the energy to see and know the people around us, that we would listen, we would observe, and then we would pay the sacrifice on our knees, giving our gifts. Lord, because I know that's what you did to us. That's what you do to us daily. It is so good to be your people, Lord. It's so good to imitate you. Thank you for our Messiah. Thank you, Lord. As we go through this week, looking at you, the Lamb of God, who is resurrected into a new life of a spiritual life, we want to be a part of this. This is our whole goal, that we would grow toward this with all our might, that we would make the decision that you are everything because in you is a purpose you won't find anywhere else. Everything else is boring. Nothing matters but you. Thank you for being there, Lord, for looking at me and recognizing me. You must love me, and you must love every individual with a one-on-one time in eternity where you see us in our hearts. Thank you for doing that, Lord. Thank you for being our Savior and Lord. Amen.
found loving like Yeshua when he returns. Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Of all of you at home, good to gather with your family. And uh, if you have your talit there, uh, put it under them, put it, put it over them, put them under it. Lord, and then we're going to end with the ironic benediction to, to bless all of you. All of our uh, families that we miss you, uh, but we were here with you uh, in, in spirit, r- remotely. Yivarech Adonai v'yishmerecha Yadonai panavalecha v'yichunecha Yisadonai panavalecha v'yisemlecha Shalom May the Lord bless you and may keep you. May the Lord shine his face on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his shalom, his peace. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen. Shabbat shalom. And do we have announcements? Dan Boron. Are we have any announcements today? Okay, so Dan is coming, and we're going to do our announcements, so, so uh, stay tuned. You can put the first slide up, please. I don't think we have any. We're not doing okay, no announcements? No. Okay, no announcements today. Uh, Shabbat shalom.